Welcome to this edition of Faith to Live By. I'm your host, Pam Christian, bringing you perhaps one of the most difficult programs I've ever had to produce. Not because of all that our nation and the world is suffering, but because of how God's people, those who claim to be Christian and committed to the God of the Christian faith, are responding to current events. As I share what I believe God has put upon my heart, which is in effect his observations and instructions for us today, I ask you to listen with a genuinely open heart. Prayerfully put aside your angst, confusion, and upset, and allow me to speak to your heart to provide you with the truth you need to restore your trust and hope for your future. I know, tensions are high, emotions are high. Many things we expected to happen have not happened as we believed they would. I know there is more than ample reason for supercharged emotions and displays of anger and a whole lot more, but we need to take a step back from all that's happening. We need to rise above all that is swirling in the spiritual realm, wrecking havoc in the natural realm, so we can gain God's perspective and learn from Him. We need to allow God to reveal how we must respond so we can experience the victory He has revealed He wants us to. As of the time of creating this podcast, the whole world, not just America with the presidential elections, but the whole world, is in a great and terrible time of transition. Transition is never neat and tidy or without pain. Think of a woman in birth. The time of transition shifts from the first stage of labor to the stage when the baby begins its descent through the birth canal. This point in the overall birthing process brings with it increased pain for the mother and often for the baby. However, once the process has begun, there is no reversing it. And so it is for us today. The process of transition has begun, and there is no reversing it. America is leading the way for the entire world to give birth to a new way of life, a new way that emphasizes the fear of God, a way of life that's grounded in and values and upholds truth. For too long now, the lies and deception imposed by the enemy upon the world have infiltrated every aspect of life. The enemy has worked through many people to infiltrate every mountain of our society and has essentially reprogrammed much of the world with his lies and demonic agenda. Religion, business, family, education, arts slash entertainment, media, and government have all been grossly perverted by the plans of the enemy to take over. For too long now, the restraining power of righteousness that the church, meaning all who claim to be followers of Christ, was supposed to uphold, has diminished and given way for the increase of all manner of evil, wickedness, and destruction. Because of the failure of the church to occupy until Christ's return, we have suffered the consequences of our own apathy. We are living the prophetic warnings the Apostle Paul gave in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 32, which emphatically states, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So, they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. End quote. As verse 20 clearly states, we are all without excuse. Even if we never personally participated with any of the abominations listed in that passage, by our collectively failing to oppose these realities, we are complicit. In recent years, God has been allowing us to experience the fruit of our doings, and especially during the more recent years, we have suffered in ways that are finally waking us up. Yes, we have permitted the advance of evil because the church is intended by God to be the standard bearer against the increase of sin, wickedness, and all manner of corruption. If we don't like the realities we are suffering today, we need only admit our part in it, and as I've said many times, we need to pray consistent with Second Chronicles 7.14, where God promises, if we will humble ourselves, pray, and seek God, and repent from our wicked ways, He will hear from heaven, He will forgive us, and He will heal our land. We are at the tipping point, and the whole world is watching to see how we in America will respond to the crisis we found ourselves in, because they know America is the last hope for their own freedom. This podcast is originally posting January 13, 2021, a time when it looks like all hell has broke out on earth. However, and please hear this, in reality, all heaven is breaking out on earth. It is this presence of heaven that is causing all manner of evil to be exposed. God is answering our prayers. He is shining his light of truth upon the deeds of darkness. He is transitioning us out of wickedness, evil, and corruption into righteousness, authority, and power. He is transitioning us into a proper fear of God and a life grounded in truth. We are in a time of powerful transition for the better. God is transitioning us, not unlike he transitioned the Hebrew people, on their way to the promised land. God miraculously intervened in the lives of his Hebrew people who were enslaved by the Egyptian government for over 400 years to free them and set them apart to be able to worship him and to take them to the land of promise. As we read in Exodus, however, God did not take his people immediately to the promised land. Before he could do that, he had to get Egypt out of his people. 
and I believe this is exactly what God's doing in America and resultingly the entire world at this time. We are in a tremendous time of transition where God is working to get sin and corruption out of us before he can fully answer our prayers to heal our land. All eyes of the world are on America at this time because God has a covenant with America since the beginning. America was founded as a country where men and women sought freedom under God without the tyranny of man's government. This is the same freedom people of all nations desire today. Jesus instructed his disciples, which includes us, to go and make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28:18-20. Why? Because the nations are Christ's inheritance. America was established by God to be a nation that shares the gospel with the whole world. God has had a covenant with America for the sake of all the nations of the world. God is not withdrawing from America. He is advancing his kingdom in America. We should not be surprised at all the shaking and exposure of sin and corruption, the violence, chaos, and turmoil we're seeing. Neither should we be fearful. While it looks like all hell is breaking loose, in reality, all heaven is breaking loose as God prepares to administer justice in our nation and establish a reset for all the governments of the world. For decades, we have been subject to people in positions of leadership and government and all the seven mountains of society who have been promoting what they've believed was their own self-serving agenda to advance them in both power and wealth, when in reality, it's been the agenda of the enemy of God to bring destruction. Especially since early 2020, God has been exposing the corruption as a means of waking us up to choose this day whom we will serve. We are in a time of shaking, quaking, and waking, so we can realize our responsibility and take our stand accordingly. If you have been paying close attention, people have been given repeated warnings, opportunities, and occasions to make the right choice. God is giving extensive mercy and extended opportunities for people to choose righteousness. It is his desire that all men would come to him. What has been played out as politics, government, and elections in America has in reality been a spiritual battle of good versus evil or God versus Satan. Unfortunately, many of God's people have succumbed to fear of the enemy and in so doing have actually played directly into the hand of Satan. Today, I see Christians turning against Christians. I see prophets who proclaim specific words from God now recanting and apologizing for what they proclaimed. This brings even greater harm to the flock, greater harm to the people of God. Many Christians are publicly assailing other Christians because current events are not trending the way they expected, which is nothing less than the enemy stirring up strife in the Christian camp. When a person who has been an esteemed leader brings a report to God's people that what he once stated as a prophetic word from God is now believed to be an error, the damage that results is tremendous, and God will not allow himself or his people to be maligned. If you have been harmed by a Christian leader who professed to be a prophet, who has recanted the word he proclaimed to be from God, I want you to listen carefully so you can gain the healing truth you need today. A dear sister in Christ and a friend of mine recently contacted me, asking for some encouragement. She had read a letter that a fairly well-known pastor and prophet published, apparently at the prompting of leadership within his denomination, where he recanted a prophecy he'd given several months prior. 
She, like many people who believe this man, experienced a heaviness and an uneasiness about his letter. I've actually known others who felt physically sick, emotionally overwhelmed, mentally confused, and spiritually distraught from reading this letter. Thoughts at a time like that are, well, if he got that wrong, and he's widely recognized as church leadership, then what can we believe? I was greatly saddened by the letter. I prayed, and then I responded, and I wrote back to my friend, stating, quote, Speaking for myself, if I truly believed God had told me something that I was to publicly declare as a prophetic word, I would maintain that word till I died, regardless of how things occur, end quote. There are far too many examples of a prophetic word from God being discounted because it didn't happen the way people thought it should, only to realize the prophecy was actually fulfilled in a different manner. Consider the many people who don't believe Jesus was the prophesied Messiah because he didn't come the way they expected. When it comes to how we are able to believe God and maintain faith in his character, will, and intentions, especially during times of transition, one of the best examples of obedient faith is found with the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you don't know the story, these were three Hebrew boys, along with Daniel, who were taken captive to Babylon, along with many of Israel's finest citizens, when King Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem. This occurred about 600 years before Christ was born, and is recorded in the book of Daniel. Understand, this is an account of actual historical events. These youths quickly proved themselves to be exceptionally wise, and therefore found favor with King Nebuchadnezzar. When Daniel proved to be the only one capable of interpreting one of Nebuchadnezzar's troubling dreams, the king placed Daniel in a high position over the whole province of Babylon. At Daniel's request, the king also appointed the three other Hebrew boys, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. With this appointment, the king also gave the boys Babylonian names. Now, I'll probably not pronounce these correctly, but Daniel became Belshazzar. Hananiah became Shadrach. Mishael had his name changed to Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar had a huge golden image built as a symbol of his power and glory. He then commanded his people to bow down and worship this image whenever they heard the sound of his musical herald. Those who disobeyed the order would be thrown into an immense blazing furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, however, worshipped only the one true God, and they refused to bow down to the false idol. They were brought before Nebuchadnezzar to face their fate, but remained courageous in the face of the king, refusing to bow down to the idol. They said, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now, we need to place emphasis on three most important words they use when replying to the king. While declaring their allegiance to God alone, believing in his ability to rescue them, they stated, but if not. They weren't saying they doubted God's ability. They were declaring they didn't know the specific will of God about delivering them. And even with that, they were willing to perish in the flames, trusting God's wisdom in all things as supreme Overall, these boys had unwavering faith in God because they had taken time to personally know God, to know his character, will, and intentions. 
Their trust in God was such that even if God chose not to deliver them from the fire, they still chose to worship him. They trusted God's wisdom regardless of the outcome. Their knowledge of God was not secondhand, as is in the case of so many professing Christians today. More than knowing about God, these boys personally knew God. How did they personally know God? By personally taking time to seek God, to pray, and commune with God. Many Christians today attempt to have a vicarious relationship with God through their pastor, their priest, their spouse, or even the words of a prophet. They are like the Israelites attempting to relate with God through Moses instead of garnering a personal relationship for themselves. What they personally know of God is limited because it's been experienced through a filter. This leaves them with a weak faith that is unable to sustain them when they directly are confronted with persecution of any kind. Let me ask you, do you personally know God? Or have you been attempting to know him through another person or even a religious belief system? If you do not have a direct personal relationship with God, when your faith is challenged, it will not sustain you. If you are fearful, anxious, confused, upset, and more because of the current events, I suggest that provides evidence of your need to have a deeper personal relationship with God that will allow you to trust him through any transition. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood before the most powerful world leader at the time and refused to recant their beliefs about God. They refused to allow the enemy of God to have any measure of victory concerning their faith, even if it meant giving up their lives. What can we say about ourselves today as we respond to the most powerful leaders in our world government who are demanding people to bow down to their schemes and demands? Are we who call ourselves Christians recanting what we've believed about God in the face of serious opposition, giving into the fear of the moment instead of maintaining faith in God? When we are faced with the choice of whom we will serve, Coupled with the threat of harm of any kind, will we be found faithful? What happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? History reveals Nebuchadnezzar was furious and ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than average. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were bound and cast into the flames. Their fiery blast was so hot it killed the soldiers who escorted them into the furnace. But as King Nebuchadnezzar peered into the furnace, he marveled at what he saw. Daniel 3.25 reads, But I see four men, four men walking around in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Then the king called the men to come out of the furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego emerged unharmed with not even a hair on their heads singed or the smell of smoke on their clothing. Needless to say, this made quite an impression on Nebuchadnezzar, who then declared, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted him, and set aside the king's command, and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Through God's miraculous deliverance of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that day, Nebuchadnezzar declared that the remaining Israelites in captivity were now protected from harm and were granted freedom of worship, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego received a royal promotion. So I believe with all my being, 
if just a small remnant of God's people were to stand firm in the face of all we are experiencing in these unprecedented, history-making days, we would see a complete turnaround in our nation and in the world. If just a few of God's people displayed the resolve and faith of these three Hebrew boys, we would see God miraculously intervene, turning the hearts of even the most tyrannical dictators to acknowledge the one true God. Wouldn't you like to see God show up and deliver us in the days we are living? The only way we'll see that is if we stand firm in our personal beliefs, if we stand firm in unity of our faith and remain true to our God and all he's asked of us. We are in a historical time of transition, and we must determine to trust God during the transition. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if we don't maintain our faith clear through the point of potential harm, we will never experience God's delivery. The founding of the Christian faith was demonstrated by the supreme efforts of the early believers who risked their lives for their faith. The faith of the founding fathers of America was determined by their supreme efforts, even in the face of their own peril. And in every instance, God showed up. How will we present ourselves in these perilous days we are living? Will we choose to side with the enemy of God seeking to protect ourselves? Or will we choose to side with God believing whatever the outcome he is worthy of our trust? America is in a serious time of transition. It may look like a transition of power between presidents, but in reality, it's a transition between spiritual powers. The wheat is being separated from the tares. The sheep nations are being separated from the goat nations. This time of transition is a time of choosing whom we will serve. During transition, all manner of change and uncertainties, pain, and even persecutions are swarming all about us. We must not give in to the temptation of despair, confusion, and chaos, or entertain thoughts of surrender. This only feeds the enemy and makes him stronger. Remember, the enemy only has as much power as we give him. Consider all the great and victorious men and women of the Bible, and even in contemporary times. What sets them apart? An abiding personal relationship with God, not some one-off, arm's-length relationship. More than simply knowing about God, those who succeed in God's kingdom plan are those who have a personal relationship with God, allowing them to trust God even in the midst of the greatest opposition. If you have found yourself to be fearful in these unprecedented times, especially seeing the drawn-out outcome of the presidential election and these interim times waiting for a transition of power, I want you to increase your personal trust in God. Our confident personal relationship with God, especially in times of transition, is essential for us to maintain a direct line of communication without being reliant on the prophetic words from other people. What happens on the battlefield? Two opposing parties fight in an effort to transition power from one side to the other. What happens if soldiers become disconnected from their ability to hear their commanding officer? They become disoriented, become prey to fear, and even have the potential of turning upon one another. Only when we are united and all are clearly hearing from God, obeying his instructions, will we experience the success he has planned for us. There have been all sorts of lies, deceptions, smokescreens, mirrors, cheating, robbery, stealing, and great harm. 
imposed upon the world in the year 2020 and certainly moving into this new year of 2021? What should be the proper response of God's people? Should we just give up, allowing the rampant increase of unrighteousness to continue? I say no. It was our lack of upholding righteousness to push evil back in recent decades that got us where we are today. God is giving us a second chance, a chance to partner with him in his work to answer our prayers and deliver us from evil. He is asking us to trust him in the midst of this time of transition. Anita Alexander wrote an excellent article titled The Secret Power of Trust. In it, she wrote, Trust unleashes a power that causes consolidation and reconciliation to an otherwise broken devastation. She also wrote, The Bible says that all those who trust in the Lord will never be put to shame. That word shame in the Hebrew means to be confounded and disappointed. The next point she makes, Trust protects you from the crippling effects of disappointment. If you trust God, you will rise out of the impossible and he will grace your life with favor and joy, even in times of mourning. The next point, trust will cause you to shut your mouth when you need to shut it and speak up when you need to speak up. Trust will yoke you to the secret power of meekness that allows God to defend you and causes you to inherit the earth. And the last point was, trust is truly powerful and is an ingredient of faith. Faith pleases him, and so do those who trust him, regardless of the situations they may be facing. Trust doesn't demand the outcome, but simply says, God, you are perfect in all your ways, and you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think, whatever that looks like. The entire article is pertinent for this message, so I'll be sure to provide a link in the show notes where you can read the whole article. We are in a time of transition, a decisive time where power is transferred from one party to another. God has revealed more than enough for us to be able to choose this day which side we want to be on. I've talked about the importance of our remaining faithful soldiers in God's army many times, Whether we want it or not, as believers in Christ, we are counted among the kingdom patriots. We are soldiers in God's army. I've cautioned us against being AWOL, away without leave, which is only to set ourselves up for individual discipline and forfeit some of the blessings God wants us to have. Think about it. If we don't fight with God for righteousness, we will simply receive according to the fruit of our doings. Do you want more imposed sanctions against our individual freedoms of speech or freedom of religion or other rights afforded to us in the Constitution? Do you want more of your personal liberties to be stripped from you? Do you want more unrighteous leadership governing our nation and ultimately the world? Remember, as it goes for America, it goes for the world. Therefore, how we respond in this critical time of transition has global impact. We must understand the extent of our influence. America was founded by men and women seeking religious freedom and liberty from tyrannical leaders. What has been permitted in recent decades has brought America dangerously close to losing all it was established to be under God. Gratefully, God has a covenant with America and with his people. Today is the day we must choose whom we will serve. Understand, we are not warring for a man or a political party. We are warring for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
We are warring against lying, cheating, stealing, bribery, secret societies, and so much more that is contrary to the word of God. As God's people, it is incumbent upon us. It's our responsibility to counter anything that is contrary to the ways and the will of God. Some may ask, what is God's will? We may not be able to know his specific will in specific situations, but we can definitely know his general will. God is not for people to be oppressed. God is not for babies being killed. God is not for racial or class divisions. God's will is not for some to have unlimited authority and power over others. God's will is not for chaos and lawlessness to reign and rule. I don't think I need to continue with some examples. I'm confident you can come up with plenty of your own, and you should. We each should take the time to identify our understanding of God's will so we can align ourselves with him and partner with him in what he is doing on the earth. Let me say here, if we don't actively become engaged to uphold God's will, we are by default opposing God and all he desires for us. Transition is never neat and tidy. Matthew eleven twelve. Jesus said, quote, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. End quote. Who are we fighting for? We're fighting for God's honor, his truth, and his ways to be upheld for us and for future generations. I want you to stand with me before the Lord, able to say, we did not give up. We can most certainly acknowledge our weaknesses, but let's also agree in our weaknesses, he is strong, which is enough to prevent us from giving up. Let us also lift the arms of those who are on the front lines, like Aaron and Hur did for Moses, to jointly accomplish God's will for his people. Operating in unity is essential, especially during times of transition. If we work in unity, when we get to heaven and are required to give an account for our choices, we will be able to look at all the martyred brothers and sisters in Christ, especially those whose earthly lives were lived in countries where communism and Marxism ruled, and we will know we did not fail them. We will be able to stand before God knowing we didn't give into the fear of man, but instead stood in righteous fear of God. I know some who have become so weary they've actually lost the will to fight. If this is you, it's okay. Just don't give in to that sense entirely. Get refreshed and get back into the battle as soon as you can. Everyone is needed. Find the reliable sources where you can be fed truth. I recommend listening to Dutch Sheets, uh, Mark Taylor, Lance Walnow, and me for that matter. And I'll provide links for you in the show notes where you can be fed the truth from God's point of view from these men just mentioned and a couple others as well. Understand everything that occurs in the natural realm is a depiction of what's occurring in the spiritual realm. Use your spiritual weapons of warfare with one of the greatest being worshiping God. Worshiping God for what he is doing, especially in the midst of what seems to be the darkest hour. It is always darkest before the dawn, and many times with God, it will look like it's over when it is not over. Think of the Hebrews up against the Red Sea. Think of Lazarus, who was dead for four days. Again, consider Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just going into the fiery furnace. And remember, Christ was in the grave for three days. With God, it can often look like it's over 
before it actually is. Many trustworthy prophets, including myself, have spoken of the days we're living as a great and powerful divine setup for a biblical reset. God is resetting the world. He is revealing who are trustworthy and who are not, who are righteous and who are corrupt. He is separating the wheat from the tares so we can see the truth and choose this day whom we will serve. Our role in God's kingdom plan is not passive. It is active, even aggressive and violent when needed. Ours is a spiritual battle that is being played out in the natural world. This means we must demonstrate our faith in tangible and visible ways. When we pray and ask God to work in our behalf, we must also listen to the instructions he gives us to carry out his specific will. Yeah, God can zap anything into existence anytime he wants, but most of the time he chooses to work through his people. As I said last week, with God, we need to look at all events as being part of his continuum, his ongoing plan for the redemption of the world. The Old Testament transitioned and was fulfilled by the New Testament. The New Testament era includes the church age, which is transitioning into a time of the great harvest. I believe God is preparing his people for this planned harvest this very day. I believe the time of seeing the great harvest is at hand, which is why I wrote my most recent books, Prepare for the Harvest, Confidence in God's End Time Promises, and Prepare for the Harvest, God's challenge to the church today. God has been exposing one major reality after another, especially since early 2020, as a means of preparing us, equipping and fortifying us for what he has planned next. Don't think for a minute God is going to bring us this far into recognizing and dealing with sin, evil and wickedness and corruption of all sorts, only to leave us on our own. No, God has made us aware and brought us into the greater truth to bring us to the point of national repentance so we will seek him and cry out for him to miraculously intervene in our behalf. Like the song expresses, God did not bring us out this far to take us back again. He brought us out to take us into the promised land. And above all, let us each one make certain we develop our own personal relationship with God, that we hear his voice speaking directly to us. We must not rely upon the reports of others, but take into account what others claim and scrutinize it in the light of God's written word and his personal rhema word, which he speaks to each and every one of us. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Be diligent to develop your own relationship with God. The only intermediary we need is Jesus. I'm asking you to intentionally seek to know God, to personally know God, his will, his character, and intentions. Then you'll be properly equipped and not deceived. You'll be able to discern truth from lies and righteousness from corruption. Trust is an essential part of all relationships. I talked about that last week. With today's message, I've added the importance of us all firmly establishing our personal trust in God so that we are able to faithfully believe in Him during times of transition. I believe we will be in this period of transition for a while longer. In the days to come, things will look much worse than they do today. But even when it seems it's over, remember, 
God is the God of resurrection, and do not believe what you see. Faith does not believe according to the facts we see, but according to the truth we know. Focus on God and all he's already done to secure your hope and your future, and do not let the enemy and those who are doing his bidding rob you of truth. God is faithful, and what he says he has promised to America and for the world will surely come to pass. Next week, I want to further encourage us by exploring the many historical miraculous interventions God has done among his people to fortify us for what we should expect God to do in our midst today. Faith to Live By is a division of Pamela Christian Ministries, LLC, a ministry that offers many different goods and services. I invite you to visit my main website, PamelaChristianMinistries.com. And please be sure to take advantage of the free resources and bonus items listed on Charisma Podcast Network and on my website, faithtoliveby.com. On that landing page, there is a link for more information about my sponsors and partners. Again, if you've been blessed by my ministry, purchasing the goods and services I bring is appreciated. It's one way you can support the work I do. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and helps spread the gospel so that people can learn better how to apply their Christian faith. Be sure to follow me on Facebook at Faith to Live by TV, on Twitter at PL Christian, and on LinkedIn at Pamela Christian. And lastly, visit my page for the show at faithtoliveby.com to enjoy all the podcasts we've produced so far. I hope you'll join me next week and tell your friends and family to listen right here on Faith to Live By, where we learn how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. Until next week, I'm Pam Christian, asking you to remember Christ died for us. The least we can do is live for Him.